This is the latest. Hello and welcome back to the latest. Today I've got another very special guest for you. It is Kim Ledbeater MP. She is MP for Batley and Spen, which is just outside Leeds. And we had a really interesting conversation because Kim has a very tragic but very interesting story. She took on the seat after her sister, Joe Cox, who was the MP there, was murdered. And so we talked about that, her time in Parliament, her faith in politics and generally what she thinks of the political situation at the moment. I spoke to her on the day that a lot of the revelations about the Downing Street parties and Boris Johnson's position was were looking was looking quite vulnerable. So I started by asking her how she was and how busy it was that day. Yes, it is a busy day. Yeah, I'm absolutely fine. Um, I tend to spend sort of the first half of my week down here in Westminster. Um, so I'm here on a Wednesday because it's Prime Minister's Questions today. And I am getting the train back up to West Yorkshire tonight. Ah, very good. Um, we are recording on Wednesday the 12th of January, which for anyone who doesn't know is basically when all of this stuff about the latest Downing Street party has come out the prime minister's just given a statement there's a lot of talk about him resigning we don't know what's going to happen but uh kim if you had to gla- if you had to gaze into your crystal ball what would you say is going to happen in the next couple of days it's a really tricky one isn't it tom i mean i think to be fair from, from what the prime minister said i think he's very clear that this inquiry needs to take place and he's not planning on going anywhere until that's happened um you can argue whether that's right or wrong. I mean, certainly from a from a Labour Party perspective, we're a bit sick of all this, to be honest. And I think, you know, here has called for, for Boris to go today. And I think, you know, I think the public are sick of it more than anything. I think that's the really important thing. And, you know, it, it's so sad and disappointing for people across my constituency, across West Yorkshire, across the country, to look back to May of 2020 and think about what they were doing at that time and the sacrifices that they were making. And I think it's pretty insulting to think that sadly the Prime Minister and his team weren't making those same sacrifices. Yeah, I think most people would agree with that. Um, Let's talk about your job then as an MP and uh, what you do and what your top priority is at the moment. something we ask everyone. Yeah, that's a really good question. So I got elected in July last year, the 1st of July. And so up until the 1st of January, just gone, I did six months. And if I'm honest, Tom, those first six months were a bit bonkers, very, very busy um, and learning the job and, and also setting things up. Because I think what some people don't necessarily know is that when you're an MP, you're actually setting up a business. That, that's what you're doing. So as soon as you, you get elected, you have to set up an office in your constituency, an office here in Westminster, get your staff team employed, do your budget, work out what you're going to spend the money on and, and, and all those sorts of things. And then start to think about your political priorities locally and nationally. So locally within the constituency, what do I want to focus on? And then nationally in Westminster, what do I want to focus on down there? So the first six months were pretty intense. And because of the nature of the by-election and and how close it was in the end, you know, I knew that I needed to put some really um, valuable time into the constituency. So I did a lot of that for the first six months, Uh, whilst also coming to Westminster, obviously, whenever Parliament was sitting. And I think now for me in the new year, it's about looking at, right, what does the next 12 months look like? Where can I have the biggest impact at a local level? And then where can I make a difference nationally? So locally, there's all sorts of projects and issues that I'm looking at. We've had huge amounts of issues around road safety um, and bad driving. So I'm doing project work on that. 
mental health. I'm currently pulling together a resource booklet on mental health resources across the constituency because sadly, you know, we, we had um, a mental health crisis probably before the pandemic and that's been exacerbated. So doing some work on that, looking at how I can work with all the local businesses, sports clubs, voluntary organisations, charities, and how I can ensure that I am the most supportive MP that I can be to them. And then yeah. nationally, looking at where I fit in, you know, within the Labour Party in <laughs> opposition to make sure that next time we have an election, we get a Labour government. Yeah, <laughs> well, um, obviously that is a big aim for you guys. Um, what you mentioned the by-election and how you came in uh what was that like because there was a lot of pressure people might remember at the time there was a lot of pressure on you on Keir Starmer because his position at that time was quite rocky it was a, a difficult by-election I think it's fair to say you won by a few hundred votes and there was a lot of nastiness in the area at the time how did you feel uh first of all when you were elected and when you knew it was kind of over, but also during that campaign, it must have been very difficult. Yeah, it was tough, Tom. And uh, I mean, you know, going back a stage further, it was the biggest decision of my life to put myself forward um, to be the MP for Batley in Spain. I'm sure many of your listeners will know my story. Uh, jo Cox was my sister. Jo was the MP who was murdered in June 2016, um, which I still can't believe, even as I say those words to you today. And I've had five and a half years of not really knowing what I've been doing. And, and part of that has been trying to create a really powerful, positive legacy for Joe through the Joe Cox Foundation and through all the charity work that, that I've done um, locally and nationally. And I've never really even thought about, you know, the, the possibility of becoming the MP or, or going directly into politics. And people had said it to me when Joe was killed. And at that stage, I mean, I didn't even know what day it was. So I certainly yeah. didn't want to be thinking about a, a big job like this. But as time's gone on and the, the last five and a half years have passed, I, I've realised the importance of politics to people and the impact that it can have and should have on people's lives in a really good way. So I took the decision to put myself forward, a very quick decision over a few days. Talking to mum and dad and my parents thinking, oh, do I do it? Do I, do it? I went for it. And then I had six weeks of pay, which was, as you say, sadly at times, not very nice. Showed the, yeah. the, worst, the worst side of politics at times from... Um, from some quarters, and there were 16 candidates on the ballot paper, so it was also quite a, a big task to, to, you know, to come out in the end as the winner. Um, but I think, you know, what resonated with people locally was that I am from the area and I care passionately about it, and I don't have a typical political story, but I've got a really yeah. powerful story. Um, so when when we won, I was like, oh my gosh, you've done it, and then there's that mixture of, is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? Is this really bad? <laughs> And actually, you know, of course, it's a good thing. And I've thrown everything I've got into it um, and I'll continue to do so. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned your sister and obviously that horrific, horrific uh, story of her being killed. And how do you go from that, which is obviously a disorientating, tragic, tragic thing for anyone at any time, but especially in those circumstances, how do you go from that to deciding I want to be the MP and I want to kind of take my sister's legacy on and build on it and just do good things in politics when you've seen what the very worst the very worst side of politics yeah it's a really good question and you know a lot of what i've done since joe was killed has been sort of driven by emotion and adrenaline if i'm honest and just as you say the desire to do something positive and something good from the worst 
of possible situations and circumstances. And I think we see a lot of that when, when people go through unbelievably horrific things, whether it's people who've done things as a result of, you know, things like the Manchester Arena bombings or, you know, other tragic events that they've been caught up in. Um, it's a way of coping, you know, because what choice have you got? You know, and I've always said that since 2016, I'm not going to allow this horrific situation to take any more from me than it already has done. And that isn't what Joe would want, and it's not who I am. And I'm, I, I'm a strong person. And I, I mean, I knew I was strong before, but goodness me, I, you know, I've proved my resilience, I think, over these past few years. Um, and I think also, you know, Joe always used to say to me, if good people don't go into politics, you know, you've got to put up with what you get stuck with kind of thing. And that always resonated with me, but I'd always sort of wanted to make a difference in my own way. You know, I'd worked in education, I'd run my own business and everything I'd done has always been around people. And I think sort of the journey I've been on since Joe was killed has been understanding that politics is also about people. It's about helping people or indeed it should be. Um, <laughs> and I think I think what I was worried about when it came to the, the seat being, being available was if the wrong person got this job who doesn't know the area and doesn't care passionately in the way that I do, that would have a really detrimental effect on the people of Batley and Spain. And that's what I care about most. You know, I know a lot of the local businesses, the, the voluntary groups, the charities and, and the people who live there. And I think that connection for me was really, really important. And that's what kind of yeah. made me go from the end. Was there a moment where you thought, I'm going to stand? Or was this kind of like a process? There was a very quick process, which essentially went, oh my God, do you think I should do it? <laughs> no, what a ridiculous idea. That's absolutely crazy. It's the last thing you should do. And a lot of that was look, we're already doing really good stuff with the Joe Cox Foundation. We're doing really good stuff locally with the, the volunteer group more in common battle in Spain. And and then we talked about the safety aspect of it. We talked about the disruption to life, you know, like I didn't really want a job where I spend half my time in London, which you've got to do. We talked about all those things. I've just moved house, I got this little new house. And it was, it was a bit like when Joe went for the job really and that she just got a young family and the timing was dreadful. But within 24 hours, we all woke up the next day and went, oh my God, you should do it. You'd be brilliant. You should do it. It'd be great. You yeah. know, what a way to make a difference. You can have huge amounts of impact. And, you know, we know how much you care about this area. And um, So, yeah, so there was a real sort of sense of, yeah, quite a quick decision. Um, yeah. And also because I had to make a quite a quick decision because of the process and everything. But, you know, I'm the sort of person, once I've made that decision, I then would give it everything, which is what I did. Almost a bit of an impulse, in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was, again, probably another quite emotional decision, which, you yeah. know, that's not the best foundation for important decisions, but also if something comes from the heart, I think that's actually also quite powerful. Yeah, definitely. Uh, since you've been in Parliament then, and you've seen politics and how everything works from the other side, how have you found that? Do you still have like, do you still have faith in the system? Do you think it's working for the people of Batley and Spen? Oh, good question, Tom. <laughs> I mean, it is a, it is a bonkers world. It, you know, it is it's totally different down here. You know, to, to what it is in Batley and Spen, and and I think that's the other reason I sort of wanted to put myself forward because I think there is a disconnect with a lot of communities across the country and what goes on in Westminster. And I'm not, you know, blaming anyone for that. I just think it's a reality. Um, and I also think there's a big piece of work to be done. I've actually just had a meeting with, with some people down here about it today around political education and really explaining to people how politics works and the impact it has on their lives. 
And I've been on that journey myself, really. You know, the decisions are made that impact us all, but I'm not sure we fully understand how and why and where and when those decisions are made. And I think there's a piece of work to be done around looking at what happens at a local level. So what decisions are made at a council level? What decisions are made now for us in West Yorkshire at a mayoral level? And then what decisions are made here nationally in Westminster? And I think that political education piece is, is really important. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that's something that I really want to work on. Yeah. Um, and, and again, just yeah, building that, building that bridge between the constituency and Westminster is really important. Definitely. And I think probably something a lot of people, a lot of MPs probably don't do enough anymore. Would you agree? Yeah, I think I mean, the other thing about the job is you've got a lot of flexibility, which is great in a way. But that yeah. does mean that I suppose some people could choose to spend all their time in Westminster or all the time in the constituency. And the trick is getting that balance. Yeah. You know, because you do have to be down here for votes. You know, we vote at 10 o'clock on a Monday night. So, you know, you've got to be down here for me as a minimum Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But I'm also really eager to get back up on the train on a Wednesday night or Thursday morning or as soon as I kind of get back up there and, and build that connection back with the constituency. Um, but you're right, every MP does that slightly differently. And I guess every constituency is different, different isn't it? Yeah. So that does, it does make a difference. That is true. Uh, one of the major things that's happened since you've been in Parliament was the murder of another MP, David Amos. Uh, how did you feel when you'd heard that news especially now that you were in parliament and you'd kind of lived through it before yeah that was a really difficult day um and again it was one of those days i'll always remember so i was actually up in the constituency on a school visit having a lovely time i'd gone to a school in the constituency where they work with with children with severe physical and uh, disabilities um and i was having a nice tour and we were going out into the sensory garden and and then myself and my colleague, our phones started to go. And we knew straight away this isn't this isn't right, something's happened here. And I mean, what was obviously awful for me on a personal level, but it was very reminiscent of the day that Joe was killed, in that we found out an MP had been attacked. And then there was that period of let's hope this is going to be okay, let's hope he's going to be okay. And then the next news comes through and um, and obviously he wasn't. And my thoughts went straight away to his family because you know, from that moment, their lives will never be the same again. And I've been on that journey, and it's a really horrific, painful, unbelievable journey to go on. And then there was the very practical side of it, whereby the police turned up to where I was and told me to go home, which I'm sure they did for every MP across the country. And then we waited to hear what had happened. And my parents rung me, they were really upset. The people that used to work with Joe rung me, they were really upset people across the constituency because a the pain of that that situation that had happened in south end on sea but also the memories that it brought back to so many people locally so it was a really difficult day and so sad that that happened again you know yeah. when there was all the talk killed around you know this must never happen again and and, and it, it did you must not know a lot about what can be done because i know we talked about it a lot of the time on LSR, what can be done, what should be done. And then I think we kind of came to a realisation that being an MP isn't risk-free. Would you agree with that? And I know through the Jay Cox Foundation, you do a lot about, you know, what's what's common between people with politi different political views, but ultimately, is that going to resolve this? I, I don't know, I'm asking. 
Yeah, it's it's really hard, isn't it? Because it's that balance between protecting democracy, which is absolutely paramount, and part of that democracy and the democratic process is MPs being accessible, MPs being able to go out and speak to people, particularly their constituents, but also then making sure that they feel safe to do that. And that's a really difficult balance. And I think you're right. I think it's difficult to make that risk-free in order for us to do our jobs properly. Uh, but I do think there are also steps that can be taken and are being taken. I mean, I've, I've had a meeting with the Speaker here in Parliament about this. I've had lots of meetings with the police about this. And things are being done to try and get that balance right. And that is a really important piece of work. But I think you're also right, which you kind of alluded to, that MPs have also got a responsibility within that to look at how we conduct ourselves. Um, yeah. And you're right, the words that Joe said in Parliament about having more in common than that which divides us. I think MPs sometimes lose sight of that and we get entrenched in positions. And I think it's really important that we sometimes focus on the ground a little bit more. Um, and what I've said is, having been in Westminster now for, for six months, a lot of that does go on. Yeah. Not just media. We've got all party parliamentary groups on lots of different subjects. We've got select committees. Different parties work together all the time. And I've got some really good friendships. I've joined the, the women's all-party football team. <laughs> I'm a bit crap at football, but I have a go. Um, and, and actually, it's women from all different political parties who are facing similar kinds of stresses and pressures and trying to juggle you know, the, the, the job of being an MP and everything else in life. Um, and that's really powerful. And like I said, that isn't talked about in the government things. And I think sometimes we see the, you know, the, the PMQs every Wednesday lunchtime and we think that it's like that all the time. And actually, it isn't. Yeah. It's much more convivial and, and there is much more cross-party work that goes on. Um, so I think we need to focus on that a little bit more. I think the media have also got a role to play in terms of remembering that, you know, politicians, even though sometimes they might not think it, are still human beings. And, um, you know, whenever I talk about Jo, she was a mum, you know, she was a sister, she was a daughter, she was a wife, she was a person. Um, and we forget that. And, and we do it with other professions as well. We do it with the police. I think as soon as someone puts a uniform on and becomes a police officer, they're no longer a person, you know. Yeah. And I think it's the same when you get the MP after your name. Oh, right, well, we're not fair game then. Well, actually, I'm still a person doing my best. And don't get me wrong, we should be held to account and we should be operating high standards. And we've got a code of conduct that says as such. Um, and I think, you know, probably need, more needs to be done on that from, from some quarters. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that protection of democracy, plus enable MPs to do their job, plus us doing our bit, to behave responsibly, I think, is all part of the same sort of picture. Mm. I think you're so right about treating MPs as people. And that's something we definitely try to do. But, uh, Kim, thank well, you so much. you're doing a great job, Tom. So you <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I will accept your praise, bearing in mind that I was 10 minutes late to get here. But thank you so much for joining. <laughs> no one needed to know that. No one needed to know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I, I'll fess up. Yeah. Th <laughs> thank you so much. No, that's fine, Tom. Good luck with everything. Big hello to all your listeners out there.